Hi, everybody. Welcome to Pockets Full of Soup, the storytelling show. I'm your host, Jared Petty. I am proudly joined today by Paul. Hey. What's up, Paul? I'm very well. How are you, Jared? I'm fine. What's your second name, Paul? Uh, Joyce. That's right. And Paul Joyce is here because he's one of our very generous and special patrons who decided to uh, to, to give a fantastic amount to the show. And now he's here as a guest. Uh, I know. Thank you, Paul, for what you did. I can't believe it. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, he's helped keep us on the air. A lot of wonderful people uh, give to us on Patreon. Our, our, of course, our Patreon producers, Nick Rea and Robert Nieder, who give generously every month. So many of you in so many ways that give whatever you can in. And it ah just you allow me to keep doing a dream and it's wonderful paul you you gave a, a an especially a uh, a generous sum and uh, now you're here in the san francisco bay area with your girlfriend right i am indeed what are you doing here in america oh that's a very good question um so we're here for eight weeks um i am uh, about to start a new job back in the uk oh um very exciting do you build robots i wish uh do, do, are you do you work on a submarine uh almost almost oh expound uh i i I work near the thames you work near the thames okay well there we go that's kind of like working on a submarine of sorts i mean it's above water and it it doesn't ever submerge but apart from that it's exactly the same sounds sounds about right yeah Yeah, exactly exactly. okay very marco ramius of you you i have a very dull job i'm an accountant Oh, oh accounting is important it, it may be but it doesn't make it any more exciting <laughs> do you regard uh, accounting as dull uh most of the time yeah why did you choose accounting uh because i'm relatively good at it okay that yeah that's for a lot yeah exactly and it, it enables me to come and enjoy eight weeks in uh in this fine country of yours i think you had the better idea because you say it's kind of dull you may not enjoy it as much but you're very good at it i chose podcasting which i enjoy very much but i'm not particularly great at and I, I think probably you made the better decision. I, I think you massively underestimate your skill at podcasting, Jared. You're, I think you're a fantastic podcaster. He says that as literally, I, I'm looking around and going, wow, I hope that the microphone cord doesn't fall out in the middle of the episode <laughs> uh, because I forgot to plug it in right. So we'll, we'll definitely <laughs> hope for the best of that. You're very kind. So, Paul, you're an accountant uh, by vocation and you live in London. I do. All right. And you're here in this. Is this your first time in the States? Uh, it isn't. Um, I. My girlfriend and I have been here a few times. Um, certainly, it's the longest we've ever been in one stint, um, okay. which is great. Uh, we've enjoyed California a lot. We've ventured out to a few other places. We went to New Orleans, went to Chicago. Um, we're in town uh, uh, now for Kind of Funny Live 3. Um, New Orleans, how was that? Oh, that was excellent. Yeah, it was really good. I'm 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 alarmed at the amount they uh, can eat and drink there in Even, New Orleans. Yeah, yeah, like, in a in a good way. But the cocktails are fantastic. The food's amazing. If I lived there, I'd be about twenty stone heavier than I am. Well, that's what happened to me. Okay, so two questions. Right, first, I went to New Orleans and I was thinner than you. I came back a week later looking like this, and it just never <laughs> fell off. There's there's some truth to that, by the way. My my giant like lifelong weight gain did in fact begin in a week in New Orleans. Yeah, um, I can see how it would it would start on a on a very pleasurable but but probably less healthy route. It's the best food I've ever had. It's phenomenal. I I I uh, I, I don't know if your experience was quite the same, uh, but I, I I was fantastic. I mean, um, yeah, we we ate and drank. Uh, wonderfully, I had a great time, but I, I needed to come back and detox a little bit. Um, what, what, what did you think of the hurricane there in New Orleans? Did you try it out? Uh, we had well, we um, we saw a, a miniature. We had a storm. We we came out for breakfast one morning. It was glorious sunshine. Came out in shorts and a t-shirt. Went and had breakfast. 
looked outside the window and suddenly um, it looked as though uh, the world was ending. Yeah, that's, was, that's life on the golf. I was amazed at how quickly it came down and, and suddenly you got cars sort of wading through, you know, feet worth of, of, uh, of water. It was it was frightening. You suddenly think, crikey, actually, you can see how this happens. That's what happens when you build a city under the waterline. Now you, that is kind of like being on a summary. But when I said hurricane, I actually meant the cocktail. Oh, did you? Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's all right. I was... Uh, I, I, Big, um, giant glass full of orange stuff. I... I did not try one of those. Yep. I'm, a, I'm more of a, an old-fashioned kind of uh, uh, so short and, yep. and and whiskey. The Moriarty special, indeed. Yeah, Colin indeed. Knows where to get the best old-fashioned. Really, yeah, really good. Yeah, it's. Uh, I like an old-fashioned very much. I I am a classical martini guy myself. Nice. For several, it comes in a it comes in a fancy glass. Yes, like that. Yeah, very much. Uh, I think that good gin is just about the the, the tastiest of, of spirits that yep. there is, if you can find a good gin. Yep. And a, a nice dry martini made with a good gin, a good vermouth, and just just a just a tad dirty. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Stirred. I prefer mine stirred, not shaken, because yep. it's a little stronger. Yeah, uh, yep. And, oh, and a fancy glass. Just, and uh, just like, hey. The problem is that... Martinis vary wildly in quality based on the mix. Yeah, agreed. And I think a lot of times people over-articulate how important a good or badly mixed cocktail is and what a difference that makes. A lot of times it's like, oh, this is good, this is good. But I think martinis, you got to get it right. Yeah, agreed. Especially when you've got so few ingredients, those ingredients need to be good and and put together just right. You, you, you're not diluting it with anything. You're, you're, you're pretty much taking 100% sort of What's the best old-fashioned you've had? Oh, um, that's a really, really good question. Um, we've been to a couple of really great cocktail bars um, here in San Francisco, mm-hmm. um, but there is a um, there's a great cocktail bar um, at Chilton Firehouse in London that, uh, that I love. They make a great old fashioned. Like, the problem is, I could sit there and drink them all afternoon, and that normally ends in uh, in a very bad Sunday morning. Yes, that that's like going drinking with Marty. Uh, just oh really? That. Yeah, oh, yeah. Don't 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 go drinking with Marty. I, I mean, it's so much fun. You'll never have such a great time because he's one of the best conversational companions alive. Yeah. But, but afterwards, you forget how to walk. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's something you need to like like a marathon. You need to train for that sort of big event. You do. You got you got to build about build up to it. The I'm well out is, of training. The problem is is that he's kind of the Usain Bolt of of Sunday afternoon drinking. Yeah. So okay. You're not really going to keep up. Yeah. Pretty yeah. Amazing. Yeah, he's just going to leave you in his wake. I love besmirching my friends on uh, in front of thousands. So I, know, I, know. I think that was quite complimentary. <laughs> <laughs> so you're here in town for KFL 3? Uh, I certainly am. By the time people see this, KFL 3 will have already taken place. What secrets will have been revealed? What fantastic things will have happened? What special guests might have appeared from the other? Who knows? So, Paul, you are here in town uh, having a wonderful time, and you're here with somebody special. Yep. I'm going to ask you the same question that I generally get around to asking at some point. I used to say that this is the question I always start with, but really I bug people with all kinds of weird minutiae beforehand. So let's get to that main question, that 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 linchpin of pockets full of soup. Tell me about somebody you're thankful for. I think I'm pretty lucky that uh, there's a whole bunch of people that have been so supportive of me, um, particularly over the last few years, and we'll we'll come on to that Um uh, you know, my family have been massively um, supportive, and and I've got I'm very lucky to have some very very good friends. Um, but the uh, the person who I'm undoubtedly um, most grateful for is my um, my girlfriend Dylan, who I'm here uh, traveling with. So you're traveling here with Dylan? Dylan. I've never met a Dylan before. No, it's a um, she. Uh, uh, it's a Sri Lankan name. Okay. Um, 
And was she uh, born in Sri Lanka? She was born in Sri Lanka. Um, and she, but she spent quite a bit of time around all sorts of parts of the world. Um, lived in Nigeria, went to school there. Um, then went to school in the UK, went to university uh, in the UK. Um, and then I met her uh, in my first job. How after did, I, how did her, before we move to why you're thankful over, I'm yeah. fascinated to learn how this young lady from Sri Lanka ends up in Nigeria and then in the UK. And how did, how did that journey take place? Yeah. So her, um, her dad was, um, uh, he, quite senior in, um, in, in the Sri Lankan, um, sort of government and the military. Okay. And he, he spent time in various different parts of the world. A bureaucrat then. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or a diplomat. Yeah. Well, yeah, quite. Um, and he, uh, so he, uh, spent time in all these different places and, and she went there and, and then her, uh, her mum went to university in, in, uh, in London and moved to London and her dad moved to Toronto and she moved to the UK to go to school. To go to school there. Where did she yeah. attend? Uh, I don't know which school she went to. She went to Cambridge University, okay, so which is obviously a pretty good university in the yeah, UK. It's, it's, it's all right. Quite, re- quite a reasonable. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you do all you do all right at Cambridge. She, you know. she, she's she's definitely the the. Well, I was going to say the brains. She's the brains and the beauty of this operation. I mean, it's no University of Alabama, but, <laughs> well, uh, but, but it's all right. Yeah, yeah, you know, I um, she's uh, she's a. Uh, Roll yeah, tide. she's a very clever girl. Uh, all right, so let's. Uh, so Dylan, uh, and you met her where? So I met her at, um, at my first job uh, at PwC, um, which is where I qualified uh, as an accountant. Yeah, Price Waterhouse Coopers. Okay. So came out of university. Did you work with Don Draper? Oh, I wish. That sounds like the kind of place Don Draper would work. Yeah, I mean, they, they, we were talking about this Dylan and I the other day, and um, uh, our boss uh had his had his office which was you know quite a relatively modern office open plan with a few offices for the partners and he had this glorious um hardwood desk like a dining table in his office i mean it it barely fit but um it was uh you you did you felt a little bit like you were stepping back into an episode of Mad Men, and you went in there and sat in a sort of uh a very nice looking chair i i'm all i'm all for uh for Everything, you know, I, I love open spaces and workplaces. I love working in a bullpen uh, when I've had the opportunity to do that. IGN was set up that way, just yeah, a yeah. big open bullpen. You were working right next to the general manager of the company. But there is a part of me that wants to have my own office with a big, cool wooden desk yeah. so bad, like the Resolute desk just laid out there yeah. in front of me. I And I realize it, it's probably terribly selfish, but it comes from my, my time as a pastor. I had to study. Uh, in any any church, generally yeah. speaking, a pastor has a study. You have the small, quiet room with a little desk, and man, just the difference having a, the ability to close a door and think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, makes. But nonetheless, pretty. Do you have an awesome desk? Um, well, I'm between jobs at the moment, so I actually don't have a desk at all. Did you demand a better desk at your new job? Uh, we live a world in a world now where where everyone hot desks, which. Oh. Um, which means that you don't even get to put a sort of photo of a loved one on. A anymore. hot desk sounds like a terrible snack food. Yeah, <laughs> I was about to say it. So, or sounds like somewhere very uncomfortable that you'd only want to sit for a very limited amount of time. So, what is what is, uh, is hot desking? Just you swap in your office constantly. Yeah, basically, you you don't have an assigned desk. You turn up and you play a game of musical chairs every morning. Um, what is what is the uh, productivity argument for a hot desk? So I think the argument is that um, in particularly somewhere like London where um, office space is expensive, uh, if you have, say, 100 people in an office at one time, there's only going to be 
50 or 60 of them actually in the office there'll be people off ill people on holiday people out of the office doing stuff so you don't need as many uh seats as you do people that's fascinating so it is a bit like musical chairs in that um you you come in and there aren't enough chairs for everybody so first come first serve do you bring adornments with you uh, Pete, uh, certainly in my old in my uh in my previous job the one i've, I've just left it became a bit of possession was nine tenths of the law you you it was hot desking but if you put enough rubbish around your the the place you usually sat it warded people off from sitting there oh that's it's, kind of wonderful yeah it's like a social uh, social experiment Do you just hang like a dead albatross like like in the side just scare people off yeah or? exactly so that you know and people come around and you'd, you'd have if you weren't in the office for example uh maybe you're at a meeting or something yeah. you'd have other people obviously who also sat in the desk around you all the time you, you get them to glower at you know new people coming in to, oh, to warn them great. off great yeah I, i'm really thinking that what you need is like a, a mad max style warning system just, yeah just, just poles with you know heads on them all around just that, that. i like that idea or, or like I, I was thinking of um you see people or the, uh, who use inflatable people to get into carpool lanes? You maybe yes. just have like an inflatable person just yes. sat in my desk, yeah, guarding I, it. I where is that? Where did I see that? I, it's one of those cases where I can't even remember if it was real life or the internet anymore. <laughs> uh, which I think as I'm getting older, my brain dies. I'm just, to they start to, the two start to conflate. Exactly, um, which, which explains a lot about what's happening in the world right now. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Uh, but. But a uh, picture of a guy, and next to him is is just this enormous Shaquille O'Neal cutout, flat. Brilliant. It's not even inflatable. He's just sitting in his passenger seat. Love it. And a cop laughing. I, I think this was a photograph. Uh, yeah. The cop's just looking and not able to hold it together because it's... And the best part was Shaq had his seatbelt on. So well, that's a good. cardboard cutout with a seatbelt. I, I mean, at least he's adhering to, so, uh, to, to road safety uh, well, regulations. Why a giant Shaq? That's so great. I... It, it, I, I, I <laughs> I love the idea of being caught on like a speed camera or something, and 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 somebody sort of looking through and and seeing Shaquille O'Neal sitting in the in the passenger seat. I committed a traffic violation uh, in Japan uh, where I was uh, speeding, and um, I was driving too fast, and they uh, a traffic camera took a picture of me, and that traffic camera snap that I got while while driving there um, caught a picture of me in the empty seat next to me. It was. I was told by my friends that those are mailed with your specific name on them because if you happen to be traveling with the person you're having an affair with at the moment, they want to make sure your spouse doesn't open it. So they're very careful to send it in such a way that it's indicated that nobody else but you was supposed to open the envelope. I, I thought that was fascinating. It's sort of wonderfully polite almost yeah it's just like hey we assume you're having an affair right now <laughs> yeah and we wouldn't want that indiscretion to get out so. we'll, we'll keep this very private exactly. we know you've committed a, an offense and and you've broken the law but we're still going to um retain your uh your uh your privacy yeah it was odd that there was this kind of uh, it, odd it was just a different cultural perspective yeah you know this idea that and this is speaking in very general terms that the affair wasn't the affair isn't the problem getting caught is like a considerate person, of course you have affairs. Oh yeah, <laughs> but if you're considerate, you never let the other person find out. Oh, that I see. shows okay. that you actually care about them. It's it's a different way of looking at things. That, 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 uh, it's like somebody said to uh, said to me that they um they weren't afraid of heights, 
And they weren't afraid of falling. It was hitting the ground that they were afraid of. Yeah, exactly. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Exactly. That sudden sharp impact. Back to PWC where you met. This is my fault, not yours. No, no, no. We do a lot of tangents. uh, Yeah, tangents are are good. Tangents are fun for stories. So back to PWC. Also, it's not pockets full of soup if I don't talk about Japan. Uh, Indeed. Back to PWC. So you meet Dylan there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, How does that happen? Do you remember the first time that you... Uh, that you spoke with Dylan? Yeah, so I um so actually it was a uh it's it's an interesting one. So she she'd been there for a couple of years already. So she's more senior than I was. Okay. I, I joined as a new graduate. I'd been I'd been travelling for a year after university because uh, I couldn't find a job mm-hmm. and didn't want to enter the real world. Oh, that, um, that's always a good decision. Yeah. Don't I, enter the real world. I was about yeah, I was about to say it was a, it was the best decision I ever made. I mean it was uh you're trapped in the real world for a long time. It's nice to to to, to stay out of it for a little while. Yeah. Um, I joined, um, and I'm this sort of. I, I think she would describe me as this sort of young, slightly noisy um, new graduate who's um, way too confident for his own good. And 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 you know, I was just very excited to like yeah. be working in London. Um, and uh, I I didn't didn't actually work very much with her. Um, I was in and out of college doing my exams, um, but I, she sort of saw me from afar and thought that I was a bit of an idiot, um, which is which was a very astute observation. <laughs> Why did she think you were an idiot? Uh, because I was. Really? <laughs> I think no. I think I was. Um, I just. I. It's weird. You're sort of young and fresh faced and enthusiastic, and I, and I hadn't quite sort of understood the how. Um, sort of workplace works and how how one should behave and i was just sort of uh, asking questions left right and center and sort of you know generally coming across as uh as as confident which i wasn't it was just all the all the facade a little bit of bluster there. yeah right? exactly. yeah saw through it? a lot of bluster yeah 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 yeah. so and, how did she move from idiot to girlfriend so yeah she yeah. think of how did, how did she move from thinking you're an idiot to being in a relationship with you, I'll yeah, uh, a very, very good question. Um, so we, we went out one evening after work. Um, Why did I, she go out with the idiot? Yeah, I, well, there was a group of it. There were, there ah, were, there was, okay. you know, I had safety in numbers. Yeah. I sort of tagged along to a, to to the cool group that she was hanging with. Ah, okay, so um, you went out with the cool kids. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's sort of, yeah. I, I was a hanger on, right, um, so. and I, I think I, I, my, I tried to get up some sort of Dutch courage. Oh, um, I'm not familiar with that phrase. Oh, Dutch courage. Okay, yeah. so uh, I drank a lot of alcohol. Okay, all right. So that's uh, yeah. So I um. So I think I probably was drinking about three times as quickly as everyone else to to try to gather up some uh, confidence to to speak to her because as I say, all this confidence that had been coming across in the office was all bravado. Okay. Um, she was, and actually, I I I can't for the life of me on reflection work out why we were sitting in a pub and she was doing a crossword. But she was. She was doing a cryptic crossword, oh. and I and I thought what I would do was impress her by by assisting her with the cryptic crossword. Ah. Um, unfortunately, one my um, uh, my skill at cryptic crosswords is is not great. When I'm sober, um, when I'm drunk, uh, I, I think my vocabulary um, was limited to single syllable words and and such like. So my my attempts to help her with a crossword were were woeful, and I think maybe that was either um, endearing or, or some somehow that sort of that helped. So you won her over with your pathos. 
uh, he, something like that. That's delightful. Okay, so I'm going to help you with the crossword puzzle, drunk. Yeah, That's yeah. And then I, I stared at it, unable sure to. to imp- always a great way to impress the ladies. So then, and then, and you'll you'll like to see more, Jared. Then, as we went to go from that uh, pub to the next pub, uh, she had a book with her. I offered to carry her book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because she couldn't be burdened by it. No, quite. I what mean, was the book? Uh, I've I have no idea now. Okay, but but I think it was it was a it was a weighty too. My like to imagine that did I she, sort did of did she know, allow you to carry her book? She did. I mean, I think she was still at this stage a little bemused by it. But 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 I think my um, my drunkenness and my um, my sort of I'm going to tongue in cheek call it chivalry started to uh, started to perhaps persuade her that I was less. Uh, less um uh, of an idiot than she'd initially perhaps I, thought. I have this image of her walking ahead of you and you walking down a london street half stumbling with a big book in your arms going senpai noticed me yeah like it's just kind of <laughs> that is that is pretty much exactly what it looks like um uh dylan's dylan is is very small um uh very standard type i at this stage particularly was um a, you know six foot three yeah, you're right. a tall dude. I, yeah, and I was—I probably weighed about two stone more than I, I do now. So I was—I was a—I was, was a big guy, and she was tiny, and I was carrying a book. I mean, it was, it, I, yeah, just there, side by side on the street. We just sketch you guys. She's out beautiful. I'm—I'm—I'm. I'm, I'm oh, whatever. You're very straight. pretty. Nah, you're too kind. I. By the way, this is the second time you said stone, and I, I as an American, oh, sorry. I'm familiar with the phrase, but I've never ever been in the right moment to ask what stone. Okay. Uh, oh God! Now I'm gonna have to start. So um, I don't even know if pounds are the same, but uh, there's 14 pounds in a stone. Okay. Right, so 14 um, pounds in a stone. And there's, and I don't. Uh, there's, I think, 2.2 pounds in a kilogram. kilogram. Yeah. Yeah. So pounds so are you the same can, for you and I. Okay, yeah. Good. Quite. Yeah. Right. So we're we're. Wow. We're, we're, it's when I start talking at uh, centigrade that, that we'll we'll lose each oh, other again. Oh no, no! I lived in Japan long enough to know centigrade. So oh, okay, well, that's there. okay. Yeah, I can do. I Phew, can. I, I can do there. centigrade. Yep, no, let's let's Kelvin it up. Oh uh, yeah, I wanna, uh, weights and measures. It's I, fun. I, was, I wh- why have we not moved on to Kelvin? I oh, just see why don't we just get rid of why all why these sort is of the, why cross purposes? Why do we have miles and stones and 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 pounds and ounces and I, I mean uh, sixteen ounces to a pound, fourteen pounds to a stone, yep. five thousand two hundred and eighty feet to a mile. It, Makes perfect. Just sense. rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? It does. Uh, man. All right. Let's go Sorry. back yeah, to yeah, Senpai. All right. So uh, she's noticed you. Yeah. She's reached the place where she tolerates you. Yep. And now we're living in a world where you're in love with her and she's in love with you. Yeah. Exactly. Years later. Yeah. How long ago was Four, fourteen years? Fourteen years together. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And I think I've had to keep her. I was going to say that the. I think the uh, the thing that tipped her over the edge is that she eventually got drunk enough that that um, she didn't think I was quite so much of an idiot. Oh, okay. And I wonder whether I have to now so, keep so, her in that state of inebriation for fourteen <laughs> years until she wakes up and realizes that she's been with me I for have, that time. I have no idea what to do with that. Statement. No, no. <laughs> so the two of you have been together. Um, you've been together a long time, and obviously, the course of a relationship like that—you've been together about the same amount of time uh, Angela and I have. Um, a lot happens in that period of time to be thankful for. But oh I, yeah. But I definitely want to focus this on. I, I'm I'm aware just from the a little bit of conversation we had before starting the show that there's there's a particular 
kind of arc of thankfulness here. And yep. I'd like to move toward that, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah, of course, about definitely. That story yeah. of why, for all the reasons you love this amazing woman, why you're so thankful to her today. Okay. Um, so this, uh, and I'm going to apologize in advance, this is a slightly rambling story. It's okay. Um, all uh, of mine are. This album starts, they're the best stories are, I think. Um, the, the the story sort of starts about four years ago, um, okay. uh, where I started to get some um, discomfort in my arm and in my chest, and, and my blood pressure was quite high. I'd been working pretty hard, um, and I was starting to feel unwell, and I... And I Ended up in a with a series of sort of cardiac tests. When when did did it all manifest at once, or did this kind of creep up on you? Over it, it crept up over a period of time. So I, I probably in my early twenties, and I'd, I'd moved down to London and and put on a bit of weight. We were talking before about you know the stress of work, and you end up eating less healthy than you should do, and you're not doing as much exercise as you should, and and my blood pressure. Um, got quite high and and eventually you know after a period of sort of tests and things they i got some blood pressure medication then over sort of a period of time i started got more of these sort of symptoms that i started to get a little bit more worried about um more cardiac related symptoms and uh and so i went through for probably a good year or two a whole bunch of different tests to see if there was anything wrong um and still i'm saying this whole time so she was being super supportive and, um, you know, she was obviously, and she um, deals with these things incredibly well, um, but she was like really sort of supportive and and um, and and very reassuring and was there, to, you know, whenever I went into the hospital to have a test, um, she'd always come along and she was like, you know, and as we'll get to, I... Uh, you know, I'm I'm a bit of a uh, emotional wreck in these situations, and she's amazing at, at sort of keeping me sane. Well, let's let's move forward toward that. Yeah, let me ask you that. So sure. we then, so I have all these tests, and eventually, uh, the cardiologist sort of says, "Look, we don't think it's anything, but the mo- you know, the 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 best way to find out is to actually go in and have a proper look. Everything else had been non-invasive, so everything else was ultrasounds and CT scans and MRI scans and. and you said go in and have a proper look at my heart. Yes. Oh. So, yeah, that quite. doesn't sound fun. Uh, no, but it's um, but it's meant it's meant to be relatively safe. So, what that entails is whilst you're awake, so with some local anaesthetic, they um, and I still have a tiny little scar. Uh, just here okay um they cut open a little uh opening into your artery and they shove a tube down there with a camera on the end and it runs all the way up your arm and into your heart and they, they and they call it an angiogram that you yeah while whilst you're lying there so i'm so I'm, you're awake yeah so i'm lying there it is they don't have the decency to hit you in the head with a brick or something before I, they do this i mean to be fair to them they give you so you're awake is it all the screens up when you can you know and everything you're lying there there's people busting around i mean to be fair they gave you some very relaxing medication okay so, you're so like, i'm awake but hey, i'm like really really chilled you're in my heart like what happens if you just suddenly decide to stand up in that moment do you die uh I didn't test it. A good plan. Okay, so you've got a long tube with a camera running into your heart. Yep. I, what what do they what do they find in there? So so we'd had this conversation before I got in there, and and the cardiologist said, look, you know, whatever, ninety five percent, 
we're just gonna it's gonna be clear we're gonna go in it'll be half an hour operation come out fine um uh but if we find something then we can move to putting in a stent which is um effectively and i don't know i i don't know much about how the technicalities work but there there is a tube yeah uh which they run with a um in the same tube with the balloon they then inflate the balloon which opens up the um the tube which holds your heart yeah artery open and just allows the blood to clear any through. potential blockage exactly yeah. exactly yeah, sure. um he said look you know we can either take you out and then put you in another day and do that or we can just go straight and do it there and I said, okay. we, we both said, well, you know, or I said, we should just go straight in and just do it. You know, I did, mm-hmm. there's no point in kind of getting me back round and then going and doing it a second time. Once you're in there, you might as well go and do it. So the first I realized that there's a problem is after what for me was an indeterminate amount of time, but I think about half an hour of being in there, the cardiologist comes over and says, we found a blockage. We want to put a stent in. Um, right now? Yeah. Oh. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, well. Is Dylan in there with you? No, no. So she's she's back in um in the waiting room, ah. and then and so and and then to me, I you know you're under this sort of medication, and the time sort of passes at a very indeterminate rate. But apparently, what then happens is um, cardiologist goes in. The blockage is a lot um, worse than they expect. Two or three more cardiologists come down. I'm oblivious to all this to console thing, things are accelerating yeah and getting and getting worse dylan's sitting outside and they you know they've told her that i'll be out in half an hour oh. and four hours later you know i Is reemerge her what's happening no she's kind of completely um obviously half an hour goes by and i'm not i'm not there but half an hour goes by and she's you know expecting me to come out then another half an hour half you know heard nothing and she starts to get you know i concerned suddenly i reappear I'm oblivious to everything, and the cardiologist is explaining that they put two stents in because um, my arteries have become pretty blocked. And 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 the reality is they weren't really sure why, yeah. other than it was some you know probably a combination of genetics and uh, and um, and lifestyle and all this sort of stuff. Okay, so this happens. She's scared. Yeah, you're too stoned to be scared at this point. Yeah. What happens when you come back up? So I come round, and it's um. It's a very strange sensation. So I'm not sure whether to be pleased or frightened mm-hmm. um, at this stage. Um, I'm pleased that obviously they've caught it yeah. and, and I've got through that. Um, but Dylan is incredibly, as I say, supportive and like a rock. I mean, she was... Um, if I'm concerned and worried and frightened, she's supportive and reassuring and how does she do that best for you she's got an incredibly calm manner to her mm. an incredibly calm manner and i'll and 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 this story sort of follows on um a little bit that kind of 12 18 months later i start to develop real anxiety around it and it takes yeah. me a little while and it's so anxiety around around the, the health yeah so um after the I think probably in the immediate aftermath of the of the of the surgery, I I feel quite um, confident and reassured that I've now the cardiologist tells me whatever happened, you know, we've cleared it, everything's great. You know, in fact, the day before the surgery, you're in a lot worse state than you are now. 
I've turned thing. the corner back to Wall Street. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Get ready back, to go get back, back to, to life. Work. Get back to it. I remember coming out of this surgery, you know, it's like tangent, but being like, uh, oh God, I haven't even told work I'm not going to be there. I need to get back into work in like, uh, uh, you know, tomorrow or something. Um, what did Dylan say to that? Dylan's like, I think you should probably just take some time to, to, to recover from this. I'm, I think, in a bit of denial. And There were people inside your heart earlier today. Yeah, exactly. I, I've got to get, get back. I've got a million emails I need to read. Um, I, and, and so then I think in the immediate aftermath, I, was, I, I don't know whether I was just in denial or whether I was bred a kind of confidence. I then had a um, – I was exercising. This is probably nine, 12 months later. On a treadmill, I've got my heart rate monitor on. I'm keeping an eye on my heart rate. I'm on the treadmill. Heart rate's at a pretty standard level. Um, thought I'd push a little bit more. Heart rate starts to jump up. Oh, oh, that looks a bit. That's gone up a bit more quickly than I expected. I'll bring my. Yeah. I bring yeah. I'll bring my. Uh, I'll bring the speed down a little bit. And instead of the heart rate coming down, heart rate goes up. Ooh. And then it keeps going up. And it's 110, 120, 130, 140. You're weird. And I'm really starting to like feel lightheaded i'm like i'm like so i turn the thing off heart rate keep you know 150 160 and i'm like oh jesus what the hell's happening i'm gonna i'm gonna die i'm you know i'm gonna have a heart attack i'm 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 frantic and what i come to learn later um is that i'm having a panic attack so i see my heart rate go up i worry about that my body um, secretes adrenaline okay. that drives the heart rate higher the higher it goes the more i'm panicking the more the fight or flight response kicks in but at the time i'm thinking my god i'm gonna die i'm gonna have Had a heart you attack. ever experienced a panic attack before not with that sort of anything like that level of severity were you aware that you were anxious beforehand about what was happening no and this is the, this was a frightening thing I, I look back now and i think um that i can see so i can see elements where i had elements of anxiety but this panic attack is then the start of a 12 month a, re- a 12 month battle and what becomes an ongoing lifelong battle with panic attacks and anxiety which got to the point where i was no longer able to travel on public transport i couldn't go into the office without having panic attack um so it started to roll yeah it it it, it very quickly got out of control personally and it was amazing how i went from being much more like the person you you met today a relatively outgoing confident sounding person to being this sort of wreck of an individual who couldn't go and do anything normal you know couldn't spend time with friends can you know get on public transport can go to work i'm gonna press the pause button for a second here yeah (laughs) all right so dylan at this point you've been with for more than a decade yep you are undergoing an unexpected, what must have felt like transformation. Yeah. Even though actually it's, it sounds like looking back, there was actually a lot there that you just didn't notice was happening, yep. which is often the case of how this, it's amazing what we don't notice when we're in the middle of it. Yeah, agreed. Um, until, we, until we've stepped out. What was it like for Dylan to take the person that, you're describing before this the very busy outgoing and to see you began to manifest the symptoms of the stress that was going on in your life what was it like for her being a part of that process i mean it's um the most amazing well it it, firstly it must have been incredibly difficult i mean it was it was 
it was really difficult for me a to go through it but to try to articulate what was happening i mean i was a i was aware that i in many ways wasn't the same person that i was two years ago or certainly i wasn't acting or responding in the way that i would expect me to respond to to i must have taken the the train into work hundreds and hundreds of times mm-hmm. to say i'm not able to get on that train i you know i i can't get into work even even it being me i found it difficult to comprehend mm-hmm. for her to be you know to be seeing this and to be and we'll come on to this how support unbelievably supportive she was i i i genuinely have no idea how she managed it because it, it i think for her it must have been frightening to see this i mean it was frightening enough for me to think is is this what it's going to be like you know she'd you just say she'd signed up for this for 10 years and then to suddenly see effectively a completely different person in front of her now, you've used that phrase different person do you feel like you were a different person or do you feel like you were the person you were and you were just starting to realize some new things about where you were yeah i mean i, th- I it's interesting i think on when I had the the calm reflection, I could see these elements, but it's it was always me. But even I couldn't comprehend how how my reaction and view on life was so very different between those two different times. I it's a little bit like um, one minute you're you you know you can you can run five kilometers and the next you can't even walk up a set of stairs and you think i don't understand you know how yesterday i could have been i could do a b and c without even thinking about it and today those same things which i know are the same things sound like as if i said to you you should go and climb everest tomorrow they were the most frightening scary things just to go to work seemed like the the greatest obstacle that anyone could ever overcome It, it, it was it was incredibly scary. Did you feel divorced from yourself? Yeah, I, I, I well, in some ways, I felt incredibly attuned to myself. I became mm. very aware of everything, you know, every sensation, every, you know, I began second guessing all every thought process. Um, you know, I became, you know, think I would think about my breathing all the time and my um you know was my heart racing or you know what was my what was my pulse now you know am i okay is it but at the same time felt very out of control of all those things as if i was like a passenger on this frightening roller coaster which i just wanted (laughs) all i wanted to do was get off but i just couldn't sorry this is um kind of familiar yeah yeah I, i i and and you know hearing when I hear other people talk about it, I find it. I, I, I you obviously know Colin, uh, Mr. Moriarty, and I was amazed at the, you know, when he articulated what he'd been through, it made such a difference to me in terms of anxiety. Yeah, yeah. to 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 appreciate that actually this wasn't some crazy thing that I was going through, but that actually. The more people I found out, the more people I spoke to about it, the more I found other people had been through the similar sort of thing, and 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 it gave me a strange reassurance that I wasn't. Go- I mean, I genuinely thought I was going mad. I thought, well, this is the end of my life as I know it. I'm never gonna, I'm not gonna live a normal life again, and that and that was frightening. You've talked 
yeah, I, it's hard to describe um, anxiety coming into your life. You're doing a much better job of it, I think, than I ever have. Oh, God, um, no. I, I, uh, Callie was on recently talking about something similar. Collins talked about it. Um, I, uh, it's become a big part of my life, too. Um, I uh, want to ask you, you've talked several times about Dillam's support amazing support in this what form did that take so um and i'm gonna say when i say this out stuff out loud it sounds it sounds bonkers um and i and, and i can't even almost relate to it myself but so for so there was a period where i um i couldn't go to work i couldn't get on it it it, it gradually migrated from I couldn't take the train to work, so I started taking um, Ubers into work, and then I just couldn't even cope with being in the office. But I couldn't also cope with being at home on my own, yeah. because the panic would take over. If I was on, I had this, and I can I say it now, and it sounds massively irrational that I would be at home on my own, and I would just I'd have a heart attack and keel over, and no one would find me until much later. So I I felt I had to be in public places, but then at the same time. I couldn't be in public places either. So I started to go in, uh, Dylan would go into work and I'd go in work, into work with her and I would sit in a coffee shop near her office um, all day and she would come down and, and check on me and I would sit and read books and, and listen to po- listen to podcasts. And that's, you know, um, especially the kind of funny guys got me through that period of just, I just would back to back every episode of beyond every episode of game over great just like i needed con i need things to distract me from life um you, and so she you were living you were that distraction was through those people yeah and, and you know i said to them you know how important that was and and i don't think they can ever you know and and, and you guys can never realize that importance but she was there kind of you know effectively looking after this you know child almost you know well, take I, me into I, work and then i you know she wouldn't be able to go out with her friends because well, you know i wouldn't want her to leave yourself you're <laughs> a child you're, <laughs> yeah. you're suffering from anxiety Mad, yeah but, you know, the, but i understand the feels like that of a yeah. human being looking at someone they love and and trying to love them the best i can that would be i, I and she has to deal with some of this with me i, I don't know how she does it yeah, i know I, I i genuinely i i'm the the perseverance and the and, and as i say the the wonderful calmness that she brings. I mean, I'm quite an excitable person anyway, and I think that kind of partly leads into some of the anxiety stuff. But she, um, she is just, she's always there to just, and she would always, however bad I was and however much I was panicked, she would always just say, "It's going to be okay. I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm. Uh, don't worry." So you stepped away from your vocation for yep. a while. Yep. And you were afraid to be alone. Yep. So you were near her. She would come. She would check on you. Yeah, I imagine it was very difficult for you to need that help and accept it at the same time. Like, yeah, yeah. To accept that degree of grace from someone or kindness yeah. is hard when you feel like it's your fault, even though it's not your fault. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, <laughs> I know. Was like, you know, and, and you know, yeah, she does know. a. You know, she has. You know, she's got a busy job, and she's got. She had enough. You know, as I would know when I was working, she had enough demands in her time anyway without, you know, having to constantly come and reassure me, which of which I 
particularly at the time when I didn't really understand it as well as I I can look back on now with a sort of degree of um, distance. But the you know I didn't really even understand why I needed all this support and why my reactions were to like this were like this. But at the time I I genuinely didn't know how I was going to get through the next. 24 hours yeah it was that kind of um every day seemed like a sort of it was a frightening you know was i gonna have another panic attack was something horrible gonna happen was i gonna feel any better i didn't feel any better what you know and 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 the demand the demand i had from her in terms of support was was massive and 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 she just and she gave it um unequivocally how long did this go on so it it was probably a two-year period where from when I first had that panic attack to it getting worse over the next 12 months to the point then I wasn't working to then having six, eight weeks off from work. Then a lot of um, uh, CBT and, and kind of meditation and stuff like cognitive behavioral therapy and mm-hmm. stuff to to try to give me the tools to be able to, to manage it through so them. So you were able to seek out professional help yeah yeah which um which you know look i made a massive difference for me if just because it gave me a whole bunch of tools um to help combat it it wasn't it was you know there was never a case of just do this and everything will be fine it was a very slow road um and i certainly remember looking back one of my biggest concerns was i didn't know whether it was ever going to go back if that makes sense, whether I was ever going to sort of overcome it. And one of the greatest skills and strengths I have now is that confidence that even if it gets bad again, I know that it will, that I have the tools or can go and get the tools to be able to, um, to bring myself back around. I think just having that knowledge, having that confidence that it will get better is, is so important. And you have to keep telling yourself that because that's one of the things that drove me on to, to get better. When you say the tools, that's a phrase that we use a lot yeah, in, yeah, yeah. in process for yeah, people yeah, yeah. that have never been through behavioral therapy. Can you just very concisely describe what tools are? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so I had a few different things. Um, one of them was uh, was knowledge of what was actually happening phys- physiologically. So that became quite important. So just learning and understanding um, that when I had a panic attack, the reasons were you know the hormonal changes that were going on and the physiological changes that would lead to things like lightheadedness or sh- feelings of shortness of breath knowing having that kind of medical understanding the second one then was probably um slightly more what we call in the uk a lot mindfulness and meditative mm-hmm. techniques we use those in the states too yeah. the same terms and 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 those are um sort of miniature processes that you can go through almost like um uh little guidelines little actions little five point plans so you know you um sit down find somewhere quiet take you know two or three very slow deep breaths mm-hmm. um and it, it, it sounds of, so easy if you've never been there yeah but, agreed. But the thing people i think a lot of people don't understand about mental illness is it's physical mm. And when you're when you're having a panic attack, your body is you feel like you're having a heart attack. Yeah, yeah, completely. You feel like you're dying. Yeah. 
and it's not that your head thinks you feel like you're dying. Your body is acting like you're dying. Yeah. Your, your heart is racing. Your body's shaking. And the ability to sit and go, my feet are on the ground. Yeah. There are noises happening around me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are other people. I'm sitting in an office. I'm not in my... I'm here, and this is yeah. the amazing that power being that present. that has yeah. because you lose touch with that when you think you're dying. Think about like... You know, the feeling you might have, you got hit in the face with a baseball bat. Yeah, you're yeah, not yeah. thinking about where you are or what's going on around you. You think about, I got hit in the face with a baseball bat. Yeah, agreed. The ability to bring yourself back to where you are in that situation helps you take the next step to getting better. Yeah, I completely. I think that's what mindfulness is, is like. But and, it, and it's something that you, you, getting that, it's not control, but having that presence of mind and understanding is something that you have to train your body to do it's a bit like you you know if i said go out and run a marathon tomorrow it would be virtually impossible you have to you have to build those muscles you have to build that stamina and you have so you have to the mindfulness the meditative techniques you have to do those all the time you know on a daily basis to give you the stamina and the skills to be able to to then apply it when when the panic sets in, otherwise you, you don't have that muscle memory, as it were, to, to, to put them into practice. You articulate that very powerfully. I, I, that's, that's well. And Dylan was with you in this. And were you ever, I, I don't want to be, I mean, fear is a constant part of that. Of For me. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, yeah. Fear yeah. and shame are, are things that yeah. tend to come with it. Were you ever afraid she was going to leave? So I um, I said to her, you know, because I, I completely understood that, that I wasn't acting or behaving in in the way that I had done previously. And I wasn't, I didn't think I was the same person that I was that she, um, you know, had started dating. And I said, look, you know, I said to her, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't blame you at all if you wanted to have some time apart, if you, you know, because frankly, I could barely stomach being with myself, let alone, you know, I was like, this must be awful for her. She's got a million things she needs to be worrying about. The, the last thing she needs is this, this other thing. Um, and she didn't even she didn't even miss a beat. She you know she she said you know, here with you know, here for me and here with me through whatever and whenever I need you know I, I needed her and it was and to be honest that it was that unconditional support <laughs> that and at the time you know I was sitting there thinking God you know why you know why on earth would she do that but it was it was that unconditional support that meant a hell of a lot there and and funny enough her and there was um a couple of people at my work who had the same approach and without that it's very easy i think for people to say and and you know quite normal people say well you know i don't don't really understand that so you know i'm going to try to sort of manage it in a way i might manage something completely unrelated like you know you're you're turning up late for work or you're um you're a disciplinary problem it's like i think you just need to get over it um and and it's like you know i i wish i could yeah. kind of thing it was the, i would like nothing better in the world yeah. than to be here right now at work not feeling this way yeah. and and the people that that got me through it um dylan being the the primary one but you know a, a couple of people particularly at the work who said don't worry do whatever you need you have as much time and whatever you you know to 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 help and whenever you're ready, we'll have another conversation. But don't feel any inclination to rush back. And and that that again, unconditional support gave me the the sure footing I needed to be able to make those 
to make those strides forward because without them when 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 you're in quicksand the more you struggle the 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 the, the faster you you sink and it was like that you needed something to something stable to at least be able to ground you so that you can then try to move forward and, that, and frankly that's what Dylan gave me um every single day however ridiculous it seemed my demand you know, my needs at the time were around support around you know not being able to be at home or or on my own it was you know i mean i still can't really understand why or how it happened and for somebody else i i, mean, I can barely put myself it was me who went through it and i still think of that almost as being a different person let alone for somebody else to try to, to try to comprehend i i I can't even fathom it, frankly. I can't either. I, 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 I'm the grace that people extend in situations like that, so, and they don't always for everyone. So, I, yeah, I was very fortunate to have been surrounded by some pretty wonderful people. The worst time in my life, and they saved me. I yeah, know a little bit of what you're talking about. I, I again, I don't want to make it about me. It's, oh God, it just popped into my head. But, no, it's... And here, I and it's so hard because you can't. I don't blame people who sometimes, you know, we don't all get better or stay better. And I don't blame people who choose to go, this is not the way thing. God, I don't yeah, know yeah. what I'm saying even. No, but no, the I fact don't. that I this person in this place made this choice for you in that moment is marvelous. It, 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 uh, it, and as you say, it's, um, and I know for you, it's it, it'll be the same. It's so important to have, those people and, and and the major reason I wanted to um, well there are two reasons I want to come on here one was to spend some time with you because um, I've got a huge amount of admiration and and uh, and respect for everything you've done and the other was to be able to to better kind of put on record how grateful I was to and and, and continue to be to Dylan because um, <laughs> I've got absolutely no doubt in my mind that without the support that she gave me. I wouldn't be sitting here now, and I don't mean that in some dramatic way that I would have, you know, something horrible to happen. I would never have recovered uh, in the way I did. I would never have been able to come on and do something like this had she not given me the the support that she gave me. It were it it was literally the difference between night and day. The difference between um, being able to lead the life that I wanted to lead and and having you know either whether whether it taken me two three five times along or or never sort of got back to where i am now it's it's incredible she helped you and you also with her encouragement the encouragement and the help of others did go find help yeah more yeah. helping things are better now oh like. yeah 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 and 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 it's not, he's not yeah yeah, yeah it's, it's exactly be a part of your life yeah now. exactly and it's something that i i deal with and it comes in waves now but it's but it, it i now whenever it does come back i have the confidence that if it returns when it returns it's something i can get through and, that, and having that and just frankly having that confidence that i can get through it i think is so important because i remember that the first time it felt like it felt like I—I I mean, literally—I think I—I I thought I was going mad. I thought this was—I—I I, I thought something could get clicked in my brain, and I was just mm. you know, no longer the same same person anymore. And it's um, anybody going through it needs to know that that it gets better, 
I, I, and and it it might never be it might never go away but it it is whenever it's at its worst it will get better i promise them that it's uh, and they should and whether they want to speak to me um i i'm always happy to speak to people who are going through these things because i think it's so important to um i as i had i got to listen to um to people who'd been through it and that just gave me the reassurance that that i wasn't alone in all of it i think that's a i can't wait to meet her tonight uh <laughs> she's coming right she is uh, she is TKFL. yeah yeah yeah. Uh, she I'm is gonna meet her tonight then yeah it's, uh thank you for your story oh no it's my thank you for having it's me Jared. I genuinely I, uh, uh very articulately i i appreciate it and that uh, a lot of this hit home today so thanks um, well thank you for uh, giving me the opportunity to come on i really appreciate it i'm glad you're here and and uh, thank all of you for watching and listening guys uh and gals you keep keep us going so you know i um i'm glad you decided to be a part of this um i i do you know i do the spiel i of course i want you to subscribe because it it helps keep the show going yeah i'm glad when you join the facebook group because we get to chat and it helps so you, and obviously everything you guys have given financially means a lot. But um, the stories like this need to be told. And I'm thankful that you were willing to come tell this one. And that you guys were willing to share yours and listen to them. And make this world a little better place, a little bit more hope in it maybe. A tiny bit, of, a little more sliver of, of, of that there. So thanks. So it's uh, time for that hard left turn. Oh, yep. Um, yeah, that, uh, that comes in every show. Are you prepared for the lightning round? The, the, the quizzical symphony that is instant noodles? I don't think anyone's prepared for it, Jared. But, right. I'm, I'm, but I'm ready to face it head on. What is best sandwich? Uh, turkey, turkey meatball. Turkey meatball. Yeah. Is I, that turkey with meatballs or a meatball made of turkey? Meatball made of turkey. I stopped eating red meat after my um after my uh heart surgery, so I loved meatballs, so I now only have white meat meatballs. Okay. And uh what 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 makes a turkey meatball preferable to a beef meatball? Well I think um and just generally and particularly from over pork and things like that it's slightly less fatty, so it's slightly better for me. Okay, better for but you. It's still, good? still yeah. pretty tasty. Yeah, you make, do you make your own? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your recipe? You get you you basically get uh, a bunch of turkey mints, chop in some uh, chop in some uh, carrot, which you've just kind of lightly fried, so you just soften it up a little bit. I tend to put a few panko breadcrumbs in there as well, which mm -hmm. I don't. I think makes it less healthy, but it, uh, uh, but it's sort of yin and yang. All right, and you still eat it on uh, what, what's your what's your roll? Uh, what's your bread? I love a um, I love a good kind of uh, ciabatta. Roll Ooh, okay. What a little about, bit of crunchiness. Very do you good. Sauce for your meatballs or not? Yeah, a little bit of tomato. Sort of. What, uh, I I I never understood what what you guys call marinara sauce, but you know, mm -hmm. it's kind of a tomatoey uh, tomatoey sauce. Yeah, a bit of garlic similar. in there. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, tomato and garlic mixed together in some proportion pretty much make the world a better place. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Soak that bread in it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's the best song written in the last one hundred years. So my uh, so I love a song called "Come Back to What You Know" by a band called Embrace. I don't know it. Uh, it's a very a pretty obscure band from Yorkshire in um, in the UK in the mid nineties. They produced this an album called "The Good Will Out," which is this quite melancholy, beautiful song 
um uh, lines come back to what you know take everything real slow um i want to lose you but i can't let you go um it's a good lyric it's yeah it's they go they're you, they're a little bit melancholy but they're they're a great band with some really, really you should listen to their stuff what's dylan's favorite song Oh, she's much more into R and B. So her and I have completely different uh, tastes. I don't know what her favorite song is actually. Okay. Um, what you've been jamming to lately? Oh, she. Um, we've been listening to a lot. We went to Coachella as part of our trip. Oh, okay. Um, and I've suddenly she she listened to I think when she was younger, but we listened to quite a lot of Radiohead. So she's been liking Karma Police and No Surprises, which again are quite melancholy, but beautiful. Um, uh, kind of emotional and, and, uh, and melodic songs. So your homework is to find out what Dylan's favorite song is. I will do that. Right. What's your favorite uh, favorite ice cream? Uh, cookies and cream. Good plan. Good mm. Mm. Ideally, makes it a bit of something dark chocolate. I think that's. There's a great. Uh, went to a great ice cream place called McConnell's. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's based in Santa Barbara. They Ooh. did unbelievable. Never been to McConnell's. Oh, yeah, I recommend it. It was really good. What's the uh, What's the first word you think of when you hear the sound of your own voice? Uh, loud. It's the most terrifying creature in the natural world. A spider. Uh, with very well done. Not a spider shark. No. Okay. No. One. I saw a black widow uh, in uh, in the California Museum of Sciences. Oh. Okay. This thing looks hideously looks frightening. Deadly, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh yeah. They're not especially aggressive. Um, I did have one land on my hand once. Uh, Jesus. I reached, yeah, I reached down to a, a lamp to turn it on, and when it built a web in the lamp and dropped down onto my hand, but it didn't bite me even then, even though I startled it. Um, they don't actually like to bite all that much. Uh, generally, oh, they really? bite people that reach under... They tend to build webs underneath things. Okay. Under bushes, under overhangs and houses. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I've heard under pumpkins, at pumpkin patches, yeah, which is terrifying. Jeez. And they tend to bite when somebody just sticks their hand underneath. Yeah, okay. Um, uh, and and startles, frightens them. Yeah, they're, they're, they're not especially aggressive spiders, but they're terrifying looking. It's the fact that they're... I mean, they're quite relatively big-ish for spiders, but they're, but they are they're small, but so deadly. Yeah, it's that is it, that that's a bit that frightens me. You can't even see the thing coming. It's um, no, they look otherworldly, yeah. and they tend to live in dark places. And so, just, yeah, no spiders, not okay, <laughs> not okay with the spiders. I'm not generally that worried about spiders per se, but ones that can sting you and kill you, I think. Uh, yeah, do you know about the American brown recluse? No, oh, that's uh, so the black widow gets all the. This gets all me the getting out and about now. The brown recluse is a fairly innocuous-looking small brown spider that looks pretty much like hundreds of other varieties of harmless small brown spider. Okay. Uh, unless you're looking at it very closely, you can't tell the difference. But it bites you with a necrotic toxin. Um, and what that does is the initial bite won't appear to be all that much, generally speaking. And then the flesh around the bite over the course of days just rots off. Nice. And you just start to rot. Lovely. And if they can't stop the rot... You die. You rot to death. An infection gets in there and you die. Jesus. Uh, yeah, it's, ne- it's a necrotoxin. And it just Yowzes. kills all the flesh in the area and spreads out across. Yeah. That's uh, that's fine. not good for someone with anxiety. No, I probably shouldn't have told you about that. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm not. I'm not. No, fortunately, uh, again, uh, though they're actually fairly common in the States, bites are very rare. They're okay. not especially aggressive spider okay. again. So um, the Australian ones are the mean ones, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta be, you gotta be. I think um, the Australian outback is full of things that want to kill you. Yeah, it's a, it's a really just kind of a a, a genetic no fly zone. Yeah, like, just, yeah, just don't go there. Yeah, I, I mean Australia sounds great, but everything wants to kill you. Yeah. Florida's that way in America. Everything in Florida wants to kill you. 
Um, uh, are we still talking about animals? <laughs> well, no, yeah, we, yeah there's or? that. That's true. Recent history would suggest people as well. But no, there's just so many deadly things there yeah, because yeah, the yeah. ecosystem's so hostile. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. Full of full of venomous, vicious creatures. Nasty uh, predators. Most of which made their way into my dorm room at one time or another when I lived oh, okay. there. Okay. Yeah. So. You can start your own uh, sort of uh, rare and exotic uh, insect. Yeah, you're just like, hello, scorpion. What are you doing here today? <laughs> yeah. Hello, rattlesnake. Why are you in my biology classroom? <laughs> hello, alligator. Why are you on the steps? <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. it's just like... <laughs> like this isn't this isn't the right place for you. This is the place of learning. Yeah, this is a place of learning. And it's like, you will learn. You yeah. learn to stay out of my way. Yeah, quite. Human. Yeah, like, yeah puny human. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> I got tickled. I know the idea uh, of like uh, an alligator with like a little, uh, a little sort of uh, gown and 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 hat on. Da, coming, da, 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 I'm here to, da, I'm here to, I'm here to graduate. For yeah. goddamn you, they bark. They've learned to bark to attract dogs. They'll sit in the water and oh, that's bark so that a dog will come down to the water and then they'll eat them. You hear them barking sometimes. It's oh weird. Jesus! Yeah, you walk by a pond, just hear woof. Oh, Oof. it's an alligator. He was like, "Oh, that's not okay." Uh, nothing, <laughs> nothing. Saurian should be that smart. It's like a velociraptor; they're going to open doors one day. Yeah, um, exactly. That's when you know you've uh, evolution has, has reached its its ultimate end. Evolution is your enemy. Yeah, quite. <laughs> the, um, if you could travel through time, meet any one person, who would it be? Oh, um, I'd love to. It's not one person, but I'd love to have gone back and and heard the Beatles play. Oh yeah, okay. And so, where are you going to hear them? Are you going to go to like one of the big concerts where everybody's screaming so that you can say I was at Shea or I was at Candlestick, or are you going to go to one of the smaller shows where they may not be as refined, but you're more likely to hear them? What are you going to do? So, I think either it would have to be right at the beginning at the Cavern Club okay. in Liverpool, uh-huh. or yeah. right at the end when they played on the roof at Apple Court in London. Incredible! And to the be, you know, when yeah, exactly yeah. when they came out and and uh, and played a whole bunch of stuff live. I think that'd be that would have been incredible. I I would. That I think that might, yeah, that moment in history, man. I I can't. I was just watching footage of that the other day. I, yeah, yeah, just yeah, watched yeah. Uh, uh, Rod Howard's Eight Days a Week. Oh, uh, okay. And, uh, have you seen it? No, I haven't. It's it's good. Um, it's entirely dedicated to the touring years. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, it ignores yeah. everything after after they stop touring. Oh, really? Uh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So it's which is amazing how they, how early they. I I was reading a bit of history about them. How early they stopped touring effectively after before they wrote most of their great yeah albums it's their 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 arc of music writing yeah it's it's around 66 they stopped uh rubber soul and revolver are kind of the last on the road albums and you can see them moving into studio stuff there definitely they get a bit more obscure but more you know the the breadth of of their musical um skill and and their uh, and their songwriting and you know people like George coming a bit more to the fore and stuff. Oh yes, it's, definitely, it's great. Oh, George became an amazing songwriter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, some of my very favorite Beatles stuff was written by Harrison. But Rubber Soul is my favorite Beatles album because oh, really? it existed that bridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it because yeah, I do yeah, think yeah. a lot of their early stuff, it's pleasant and it's fun. But it was also better than everything else around or all, almost everything else around it, and very original and new. That they were still experimenting even then. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of what we would think about as modern day rock, not just rock and roll, but rock was kind of pioneered in, in that area um, with them taking things from some of the, the 50s era American rock and blues musicians and, yeah. and reworking it in a, in a new way. I mean, it's, ama- it's amazing how they were particularly Paul and, and John as a combination. But as you say, George, what a combination of uh, great songwriters and great lyric and melody writers great musicians 
fantastic singers, whether it be solo or in harmony, mm -hmm. um, plus a look that sort of, you know, became iconic. It, it, it was an amazing and potent combination for a band that could produce, you know, twist and shout to then go and produce yeah. a day in the life. And, uh, you know, you think how on earth did you, did you make that transition? But yeah, they were obscenely talented people. What's your favorite word? Mm. Uh, I say there are a few weird words. Like I, I like to say like conflate conflate. Oh, that's a fun one. Yeah. I just I, I I like those words that people use infrequently, um, but that have sort of a slightly more subtle um, undertones. I I I um I was I was talking to I I Skype with Greg on as part of our Patreon tier, and I um I told him I told him that they, they talk about lube with alarming alarming <laughs> frequency, and uh, and he and he and he reposted. He reposted this. I think he liked the term of frame, phrase "alarming frequency." I uh, they, they do talk about that a lot. I know. I said I, I felt uncomfortable. The, the <laughs> amount they, you know, I mean, I, I understand that that moisturizing is important, but um, as I say, I'm slightly disturbed. You're uh, you're actually uh, you're on Game Over, Greggy. Uh, you recorded an episode. Yeah, yeah, I recorded one right? earlier this week, yeah. so it should be. I suspect it'll come out about the same sort of time as um, yeah, as this, uh, so. right around the same time. I'm guessing as if well. You, so. If you, if you're not already sick of the sound of my voice, but you know, feel free to go, go and, over and do that. Go and listen to me yabber on some more. Excellent. Um, cake or pie? Pie. Pie. All right. Well well chosen, sir. I, I can't eat either very often these days. Right. Well, yeah, none of us should. But No, uh, well, true. But, but yeah, what's, uh, what's, what's the pie of choice when you do have a chance? Um, I do like a cherry pie. Ah, good pick. A, a I good love cherry cherries. pie, man. Yeah. Good cherry pies. Good cherries in California. Yeah, uh, in fact, apparently they're just in season at the moment. So they are, I yeah. picked I picked some up yesterday. I love. How were they? How were they? The ones really good. They were good. Okay, really good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 yeah. I'm a, you don't get them very often. It's the, odd, the growing you know, season apparently very short. The, the in season is very short. Yeah, you travel places just like wait. I didn't know this was good here. I had no idea California had amazing cherries mm. or good lord avocados here are like a different. They're in a different league. Um, yeah. Cherries are that way here. Uh, garlic's really good here. There's a lot of stuff here that's just delicious. When I was in, uh, when I went to Japan, uh, apples. I was shocked how good Japanese apples are. Yeah, I, in fact, I, I, um, we have a Jap uh, Japan center in uh, in London that sells so Japanese food. They have uh, they persimmon. Oh, the, Japanese uh, persimmons are amazing. Oh my, they, that that is the most wondrous fruit. And um, although actually, wild persimmons in the American Southeast also very good. Oh really? Yes, they're pretty. Fun. We used to make pie out of them. Oh. I've never had a persimmon pie. That would be uh, they that is, and um, are they called nasi pears, which are like a s very sweet kind of pear apple type of. Mm. Uh, I mean, yeah, Yummy. these yeah. I'm hungry again. Mm. I've already gained weight recently. I don't need to be talking about food so much. It's bad. Yeah. It coming coming uh, coming to the states for eight weeks is is oh, yeah. a difficult. Yeah. Don't eat here. Yeah, we're terrible. Oh, the food's excellent. That's the problem. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of. Very unhealthy, but very good stuff. That's that. So, I want uh, I want to come home with you. Can can I uh, can I go be British now? I'll yeah, of course you can. For a while. Okay, You'd fit great. in wonderfully well. Oh, I think it'd be fun. Yeah, be yeah, fantastic. So definitely, I right, will have to work that out. Sometime. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. I'm okay, sure I'd be an accountant. I'm not good at math, so probably not. I mean, I'm not that great at maths. Yeah, but you're still you're still an accountant. Well, yeah. You said you're good at it earlier. You're just being humble. Yeah. Now. I know how to operate VisiCalc still. I doubt that helps anymore. I I'm I'm. I'm we, we, you know, I think there's an opportunity to grow our uh, 
we we could become a great uh, technology center. There we go. You could lead it. I'm going to be a technologist. A That's technologist. Uh, I'm going to be a future technologist. I, I'm. What is? Uh, I think it was Jeremy Parrish who said the vice president of expanding possibilities and horizons, or maybe that was James Milkey. Uh, I want that to be my. I think it was James Milkey who said vice president of expanding possibilities and horizons. I like that. I think I want that one. That's yeah. catchy. Yeah, I like that a lot. You need a very big uh, business card though. Milkey's a funny dude. Um. All right. So anyway, there we go. There. Uh. At least it's on podcast. Um. Yeah, folks, thank you so much for watching us. And once again, uh, Nick Ray, Robert Nieder, thank you for everything. Uh, thanks to you, Paul, for what you've done for the show. My pleasure. Thanks to all of you for watching and listening. Uh, until next time, I don't have a catchy phrase to sign off with.